2: Grants! This is magnificent. Got a
1: fantasy question? Email baseball at cbsi.com. Get ready to win your league. Where
2: fantasy becomes
1: reality. Now here's Frank, Scott, Chris, and Adam.
0: You are never going to believe this, but we're actually doing part four of our starting pitcher preview today. Please. Just kidding. Well, these guys want to do it. They just spent the last 15 minutes talking about starting pitchers before we got started here. But welcome to Fantasy Baseball today and welcome to our 2021 Relief Pitcher Preview. Frank Stample joined, as always, by Scotty Dubbs, Scott White, and C-P-T, Chris Towers. Shout out to Chris, by the way, the newest entrant into the Tout Wars fraternity. Congratulations, Chris.
2: Thanks. I've got my draft tomorrow, 12:15. We're doing a... Twelve team mixed league with uh innings pitched as one of the categories and saves plus holds and I believe OPS. I mm. think that's the. Wow,
1: what, so what yeah, do they call? So what does Tal wars call this league? Is that is? I this think is like it's a just being called twelve
2: team mixed league. Oh, okay, it they should have called really it. Have a fancy name.
0: It should have yeah. been the Bizarro League or something like that because <laughs> that is <laughs> yeah, laboratory. I'm, it's pretty. I'm wacky. looking forward
2: to it. I've got to you know do some research to see how my my I need to adjust my my process based on that. But uh yeah, looking forward to it. It's a good group. I'm you know, going up against some big names. They're they're going to make me look bad, so looking forward to it.
0: <laughs> For those who have no idea what we're talking about, Tout Wars is a collection of expert analysts in the fantasy baseball industry in a bunch of different leagues. Scott is in the 15 team 5x5 roto league, which he won last year by the way. I am in the 12 team salary cap head-to-head points league, which I did not win last year. So hopefully, uh, I will have better fortunes this year. Let's start with a little relief pitcher trivia here on the podcast. Kirby Yates was the saves leader with 41 saves back in 2019. He was the only reliever that season with 40-plus saves. Can you guess how many relievers were on pace for 40-plus saves last season?
2: Okay, so 40-plus saves would be...
0: Don't do the math, Chris. Come on. Well, no, no, no. I'm just like... It it would be like (laughs) 18. Zero. It would be 18 no, saves?
1: No, wait a second. Brad Hand had 16 saves, 17. right?
0: He had 16 saves. I am not telling you the answer to any of these questions. Scott, All right, three. Scott says uh, three. He went from zero to three real quick.
2: <laughs> 17 saves would have been... Um, Don't do the math, Chris. On pace for 40. Well, I mean, it's like in another year, I can just say, oh, this guy had 40. And also, I promise you, I don't know how many saves people had last season. It is not part of my analysis when I'm ranking relief pitchers. Um,
0: none. Okay, so Chris says zero and Scott says three. You are both wrong. There was only one, and it was Brad Hand. He had 16 saves last season, which put him on pace for 43. The, You're rounding up. You're rounding up. <laughs> the second closest saves leader was um, had 14, and, and that's something like 37 or 38 So, we're basically exactly where we were back in uh, 2019. Not a lot of saves to go around, which makes the position very frustrating, uh, specifically in Roto Leagues, because saves are one of the categories, uh, and that's why we are constantly chasing them throughout the course of the season. So, this is our relief pitcher preview. We're going to try and figure out who all these closers are. We're going to hit some ADP, sleepers, breakouts, bust, sparps, which you need to know in points leagues, those are starting pitchers that you can use as relief pitchers. And today I'm going to bring up our PASPs, which are the opposite. They're relief pitchers (laughs) that you can use as starting pitchers, which are actually very valuable in head-to-head categories leagues if you want to use a Marmol strategy, more on the Marmol strategy a little bit later on as well. So let's start start off with just some relief pitcher strategy in general. Scott, I'll start with you. In a standard 5 by 5 roto where you have to start nine pitchers typically, usually a 900 to 1,000 inning minimum for the entire season. What is your normal breakdown? Is it six starting pitchers and three hopeful closers? Is it seven and two? What do you usually wind up with in a Roto League?
1: I mean, the ideal for me is still six and three. Uh, Three being guys I expect to get saves at the start of the season, but I'm not nearly as rigid about it as I used to be. And, you know, if you're talking a salary cap league, uh, I don't really want to invest any money in closers, really, like $2 max. If I happen to get somebody in line for saves for $2, great. If not, I, I'm content to just play the waiver wire because, I mean, I, I think you, I I think saves is uh, such a fluid category, so much turnover happening throughout the course of the season that you could literally invest nothing in it and win it without... You know, without needing a miracle or anything, you're just aggressive on the waiver wire anytime a new safe source turns up, and and you, I I think that's actually how it played out for me in Taut Wars last year. I drafted really low end closer closers, like I think maybe Melanson. I ended up getting, and he turned out okay. But otherwise, it was like Wade Davis and
0: I remember and that uh, it was Hunter it was Harvey. Bad. It was bad. Yeah. yeah. And I, I'm pretty.
1: If I didn't win the saves category in that 15 league, I finished second, and that was in a short season too, where I didn't even have as much time to, to make up ground. You know, I just, I just picked up every Daniel Bard and uh, Stefan Crichton that emerged, and it, you know, the, the saves added up. So. Um, there's so much turnover happening all season long. It's going to be guys contributing to the category that we don't see coming at the start of the year. So it's not like I even feel like I need to invest in a perspective save source. I don't think that's a bad idea, but I, that's that's not necessarily the path either. So I don't like investing a lot in saves. I don't like drafting the high end closers. I like drafting those back end guys. You know, if I can get a big strikeout source, a big ratios guy for a discount, okay. Um, but probably just one, and I'm happy if it's none, and I just stock up on every Joaquin Soria and and uh, Amir Garrett type at the end of drafts.
0: Chris, I know that you hate closers and relief pitchers <laughs> in general, but they are a category in the the standard yeah. five by five. I will say you can you can punt a category in a five by five roto league, and you can win your league, but it's very difficult because you need to finish top three, at least top three in every other category, all nine other categories. So yeah. it just makes your margin for error that much more slim. It's possible, but it's tough. Chris, when it comes to relief pitcher strategy, do you have an idea of, okay, I want to get one of my top 12 guys uh, throughout the draft. I want to get you know someone else in like my top 20 range. So like two in my top 20, do you have any type of strategy like that going into a draft?
2: No. No, my strategy for a relief pitcher is don't don't make a pick that costs anything, um, and that means I'll miss out on Josh Hader and oldest Chapman and Liam Hendricks and all those guys. But I, when you're just thinking about the optimal usage of your available resources uh, in a fantasy league, you have to think of you've got two main pools of of resources when it comes to acquiring players. You've got your draft picks, which are static and you've got your free agent slash waiver slash fab pickups for the course of the full season. Your draft picks are, in decreasing order, the most uh, valuable assets you have. I don't know when a waiver wire pickup becomes more valuable than a draft pick, but I think it's probably not before the first 20 rounds, and I think punting saves in your draft is a perfectly viable strategy given how few guys I feel confident are very good. Plus guys I feel confident are going to get most of their team saves. I don't know if that group, if that Venn diagram includes more than 10, maybe 11 guys. Um, And so I just, and and closers are getting pushed back up boards this year. Last year, Mm. um, closers were cheaper. Because it was a bad year for closers. Last year wasn't really that much better of a year for closers, but the guys we did draft had pretty good years, and I think that's, you know, elevating some guys. I, I think they're just all in all as a population just just about the worst picks you can make. Um, I guess the counter argument to that would be if everybody's going to throw, if all the starters are going to throw 150 innings and the relievers throw 70 that makes the relievers relatively more valuable. But again, we don't really know who's good. And all the questions about who's good based on last season are way more amplified for relievers who made, like, Josh Hader threw, what, 22 innings or something? Like, he probably, ha- there, there was a stretch of last season, I'm pretty confident, where Corbin Burns had more innings for sure in a four-start stretch than Josh Hader had all season.
0: Hader had 19 innings. Right, like that's... that's crazy. I would
2: bet Corbin Burns had a three-start stretch where he had more innings than Josh Hader had all season. And, I mean, I I like Corbin Burns despite the small sample size, but I would not like him all that much if it was a three-start sample size. Now, obviously, Josh Hader is very good. Um, But I just... I think of all the years, this is the year to just not invest much in reliever.
0: I will just say, I think that there is, at least in Roto, a clear top 12 relievers, and then I think it kind of just falls off the face of the earth. So that 10 through 12 range for me, Kirby Yates, Ryan Presley, Craig Kimbrell, those are probably the last-ish closers that I feel pretty confident about and, and that's the last of a group that I want one of my top 12, typically in a Roto league. I'll try to grab another one in that 13 to 20 range, you know, a, a, a low end closer to, and then maybe I'll, I'll pick up two guys towards the end of my draft just to speculate on, but
1: repeat those names for a second, Frank.
0: Yeah. So 10 through 12 for me in my Roto ranks, Kirby Yates, Ryan Presley, Craig Kimbrell. And then just after okay. Kimbrell is Kalame, Montero, okay, Monter, uh, Rafael Montero, Nick Anderson. And, I think it gets a little bit dicey with those guys. Kirby it's dicey Yates. with those
2: guys.
1: Kirby Yates, it's- who suffered a season-ending injury like two weeks into last season. Didn't factor, really. Ryan Presley, who was so bad at the start of last season, he nearly got lost his job and may have never gotten a chance to close again. And Craig Kimbrell, who uh, two years in a row, he hasn't been somebody the Cubs could rely on and uh, was was quickly quickly removed from the closer role. And you're saying that's the last group you're confident in. I'm not saying that to pick on you. It's a relative just,
0: term to the position, I, I, of course. I'm,
1: I'm just saying, actually, from my perspective, I think there are guys going after that that I'm about as confident in. I, I do think that group probably has, uh, has more upside and, and more history, uh, by and large. Certainly, Yates and Kimbrell do. Uh, but I, I don't think they're particularly safe, and I don't think what comes after them is really that, less, that much less safe at least a few, a handful of pitchers.
0: It tells you yeah. what you need to know about the position. I mean, it, it is truly a mess. It is, it is gross. And, you know, using the term, you know, comfortable, I, you know, closers that I like, it's it's a relative term to the position. Uh, Scott, speaking of just relief pitcher strategy, I asked you this a couple of weeks ago, head-to-head points leagues, what you do there, and you said, don't invest anything. But yeah. I feel like it's a little bit tougher this year more than ever before because, those Sparps that we talk about year in and year out that you typically use in a head-to-head points league, those are starting pitchers that have relief pitcher eligibility. They are terrible this year. They are worse this year than ever before, than, than I can ever imagine. I don't think that's hyperbolic. They're very bad. Yeah. So I well, think you might have to pay was, attention a little bit more in a points league this season.
1: It, it was such a short season that not that many pitchers had a chance to change roles yeah. between the pull pin and the rotation. Um, so yeah, the the... The best is probably A.J. Puck, who didn't pitch at all last year and may not have a starting job going in. And then you're looking at Michael Lorenzen, Jose Quintana, Alex Pavetta. if you want to go there again. Oh, yeah, Alex
2: Wood, I think. yeah, yeah He's got a rotation spot for the Giants. I mean, honestly, I think there are six closers I feel good about. I'm looking at, like, looking at my well, list because I'm not 100% sure James Karinczak is a closer. I think he is. I assume he is, but I'm not 100% sure. There are six guys, I think. Josh Hader, Aroldis Chapman, Liam Hendricks, Edwin Diaz, Rysell Iglesias, and Brad Hand. I think those are the only guys I can say they're good and they are their team's closer. James Karinczak, we might find out in four days he is the team's closer. Yeah, I,
1: I exp- like that's that's true. I mean, managers especially, they don't want to commit to that. Any sooner than they have to, and even even while they're in the process of using a guy as a closer, they won't necessarily call him a closer. So that's just, I, I don't think, I, I don't think you can ever have that standard anymore. This guy is for sure the I'm one hundred percent sure this guy is the closer just because like nobody's going to let you have one hundred percent assurance that anybody's the closer. Um, to answer your question though, Frank about about the head to head leagues, you know I'm assuming twelve teams are fewer two relief pitcher spots to fill, only 24 that need to go around. Like, I can come up with 24 pitchers that I feel confident are going to be the main guy for saves, at least at the start of the year. You know, obviously half of them are going to lose their job at some point in the year, but it's not predictable who that's going to be uh, with great certainty. So I just want, you know, as long as I'm getting somebody who I can count on for saves in the moment... I don't, I don't care how quote-unquote good they are, in a points league especially, because most of their points are coming from the saves themselves, not anything else they contribute.
0: Scott, do you actually want any of those sparps in your starting lineup? The names that stood out to me that I noticed, Jose Quintana, AJ Puck, Joe Ross, Cal Quantrill, Nick Pavetta, Michael Lorenzen, Adrian Morejon.
1: Puck certainly has the upside. Mm-hmm probably won't have the role at the start of the year, but somebody who's going to factor at some point as a spark this year, I would imagine.
2: Have they walked I back? Think, I know in uh, February, I think, um, general manager, whose name I can't remember, said that he they, they view him as in the rotation. Major yeah, they've, they've changed
1: that after signing Mike Fires. It sounds okay. like Puck's probably going to begin in the bullpen to preserve his innings as much as anything else. Um, I I do think Michael Lorenzen is a legit sleeper. I like what the Reds are doing with pitchers, and and he became more of a swing-and-miss guy late last year, which we're talking about a matter of three starts or so, obviously, but um, I think it's... I I think, you know, I I could spend a last-round pick on him in a points league just to see where it goes. But Quintana, you know, as a streamer type at some point, I'm sure he'll matter because he'll be getting innings for the Angels, but he's not exciting at this stage of his career. And Pavetta, I mean, <laughs> I'm not counting on much there. I don't think it's a total loss cause, but i, I really need to see it to believe it from him. So no, I, I wouldn't say there's any spark that i'm I'm really putting an asterisk next to yeah. heading into a head to head head to head points draft.
0: How the mighty have fallen. Not that Nick Pavetta was ever the mighty, but oh. some people propped him up to be. I believe it was entering the twenty eighteen season. Where Pavetta and Shane Bieber were being drafted around the same range,
2: they had like identical <laughs> stats the year before. Yeah, it, it, like, crazy. it it's the kind of thing where it's like like they were both like mid mid to high four ERA guys, uh, and you you see how chasing the peripherals can work out. All right, when so you're talking I- about a guy with. Who gets hit as hard as those two guys do?
0: We're going to do an exercise where we try to attempt, uh, where we try to guess each team's closer and, and who's definitively in that role and who's not. But before we get there, just wanted to remind everybody about Paramount Plus. You've probably seen the journey to mount Paramount spots featuring Bill Cower, James Corden, Patrick Stewart, and Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, it's quite the squad. But Paramount Plus is live sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. You can go straight from game day to movie night with Paramount Plus. Stream iconic movies like The Godfather, Indiana Jones, and Mission Impossible, and new episodes of critically acclaimed original series like Star Trek Picard, The Good Fight, and The Stand. And get this, it's where you can dive into live sports from us, CBS Sports, including the NFL, March Madness, coming up, March Madness, coming soon, the Masters and Champions League Soccer, plus stream hit shows from CBS, Nickelodeon, and TV. MTV, BET, The Smithsonian Channel, and Comedy Central Live Sports, breaking news, and a mountain of entertainment. Paramount Plus streaming March fourth. Also, we've hinted at a little bit here, but Chris, I know that the draft prep guide that you have been working tirelessly on is just about ready to release. So I think
2: it'll be available tomorrow on CBSSports.com. There will be a um, a URL that you can go to. I don't, I think it's going to be cbsports.com slash FBT draft guide, but I don't want to, you know, don't go there yet because it probably won't be live until sometime tomorrow.
0: We'll, um, we'll tweet it out. Don't worry.
2: There will be, yeah, we'll tweet it out. There <laughs> will be sign-up boxes in most of our stories. Uh, so basically all you'll need to do is put your email address in it. You'll get sent an email with uh, 37 pages of draft prep. So it's got... Um, you know cheat sheets with consensus rankings for head-to-head and Roto ADP consensus auction values, um, position by position breakdowns with Scott's tiers, um, consensus rankings for each position with a little breakdown uh, from myself. Scott's strategies for each position. Uh, it's got a little like cheat sheet from all three of us with our kind of overarching strategy for the year. Five sleepers, breakouts, and busts, Five draft day rules, which I think is a, a kind of cool. A little thing, and um, yeah, you'll want to check it out. I I think it's, uh, and the results of a couple of mock drafts that we did. So I think it's um, a pretty cool product that'll, uh, you know, be useful to have with you while you're doing your prep.
0: Yep. And Chris put a lot of work into it, and I've seen it. It's awesome. And and normally I don't do this, I don't like prop up our stuff. And no, he usually says all my stuff is bad. (laughs) I would never say (laughs) that, Chris. Uh, But, you know, a lot of other places are, you know, selling a draft prep guide or whatever they might do. And and it's free. It's 100% free. So why wouldn't you take advantage? And you can use it throughout your draft. You can write down all your draft picks, throughout your salary cap draft as well. You can keep track of how much money you have left and stuff. So it really is an awesome product. And and I would recommend everyone go and check it out. All right. So let's do this. Let's start in the National League. And we'll start in the NL East, the Mets. Edwin Diaz, definitely the closer question mark. Yes. All right. (laughs)
1: They're, they're not saying definitely they're, they, they yes. brought in Tyler Duffy but yeah I mean um was, they never said definitely last year either and Edwin Diaz ultimately wound up in the role pitched well I, I'm I'm counting on him as a top five
0: reliever that's Trevor May. By the way, right, Scott? Not You yeah, mentioned Tyler Duffy. It, yeah. it, it, it,
1: it, I mean, all these Twins two, relievers. Two dominant arms at the back end of the <laughs> Twins bullpen last year. I picked the wrong one. Yes, Trevor May. Thank you. Trevor not May. Tyler Duffy. Uh, Tyler Duffy is still in Minnesota. Twins fans, don't worry.
0: And he's very good. So for those who need um, holds or just a high-end reliever, he's, he's pretty good, that Tyler Duffy. The Nationals, Brad Hand. Is this a definite? Because I saw a quote the other day from Davey Martinez. He said, quote, In a perfect world... Brad Hand is our closer.
1: Um, see, that's what they like to do. They all like to hedge. <laughs> they all like to hedge. Brad Hand is, of course, the closer, unless he's bad. I mean, he lost some velocity last year, uh, but he was very he was dominant. Obviously, led the league in saves, and, and and though the velocity went down, the the numbers were still amazing. So I'm, I'm I'm confident drafting him. Uh in my I think he's like sixth for me among relievers. But they do have a really good closer in waiting and Tanner Rainey, who looked like, you know, before they went out and, and signed was it a sign or a trade of hand? I think it was a sign. It right? was a sign, yeah. yep. Yeah. Um it looked like Tanner Rainey was ready to step into that role. So um if you're drafting prospective closers late, Rainey's pretty high on that list for me, just in case something goes wrong for hand.
0: I should have mentioned that. We don't have to go too deep on the analysis here, Scott. We could just uh we're going to get to ADP a little bit later on, so let's just I guess say if the the guy's definitely the closer. So we'll uh, we'll put Brad Hand in that category, okay. definitely. The Phillies okay. I don't narrous. know. <laughs> I think it's Narris. You think so? I mean, they brought in Archie Bradley and Brandon Kinsler and Jose Alvarado. I- yeah, I thought
1: it was Bradley actually. I I'm, I'm I'm hearing I'm hearing more beat writers say that that you know, again, it's not it's another Case that's not open and shut, but um, Bradley appears to be the front runner
0: there. Okay, so we're we're gonna go with no set closer with the Phillies. The Braves. This is interesting. And none of those guys are particularly
2: exciting for the Phillies, anyway.
1: Yeah, that, yeah. That I mean, true. they all might be trading off just because they're not good. Yeah. I think Will Smith's the guy for the Braves. I think so. I, I know.
2: Snitker said has, it could be a yeah. few
1: guys. Yeah, Will Smith being paid like a closer. He was an all-star closer in 2019. They got a lot of left handers in their bullpen. Yeah. So it, it's going to be Smith. And I love him drafting him. I love him because Same. everybody's scared of drafting him.
0: I'll put a probably next to Will Smith. Um, the other two for the Mets and was, the. Was Nationals. that too
1: much analysis for you, Frank? No, no, no let's it's cut fine. That <laughs>
0: um, I put that short. I put a definite for, for Edwin Diaz and Brad Hand. We'll put a probably for, for Will Smith. The, the Marlins, okay. apparently it's Anthony Bass versus Jimmy Garcia, but it sounds like Anthony Bass.
1: Well, I know Craig Mish, (laughs) I second-guessed him on Twitter, and he asked me if I wanted to put money on it. So he's firmly behind Bass being the guy. Um, Yumi Garcia is better. Bass is not that good. I don't think Bass would be the closer for long if he starts out in the role. Um, I I would say that's a toss-up, personally.
0: All right, so we won't even even put a probably next to that. How about the Cubs? Craig Kimbrell, that's for sure, right? Yep. Yep. Okay, that's been
1: announced. Actually, rare a rare moment of closer clarity.
0: Ooh, I like that. The Reds we have Amir Garrett. Lucas Sims was supposed to be part of this position battle, but he's dealing with an arm injury. They brought in Sean Doolittle, who hasn't really been himself the past couple of seasons. Do we? How yeah. confident are we in Amir Garrett? I'm super
1: confident because it seems like like he and Lucas Sims were mere images of last. <laughs> Of each other last year, the lefty, the righty, their numbers were almost identical. But Sims' injury would seem to take him out of the running, right? And Garrett was has been campaigning for the role since they traded away Rysel Iglesias. I, I don't know who else it would be. So I, I, Garrett, like Will Smith, is somebody I love drafting because I think the uncertainty is unfounded.
0: All right, we'll go probably there. Josh Hader, that's a definite... Assuming he doesn't um, get traded.
2: Hasn't there been some like we might want to use him like we kind of used to in the multi-inning role? I thought I saw
0: that. You tell me, Chris. <laughs> uh,
1: I mean, there's a, there are always whispers of him getting traded. Yeah. But um, I feel like he's my number one reliever. So obviously I'm not I'm not really worried about Hater's role.
0: With yeah. the Pirates, it, it looked like for a while it was going to be Richard Rodriguez. I've read some beat writers and I've heard some interviews that say the Pirates are going to mix and match more than you think. So.
1: Yeah. I mean, it could be a situation like the Orioles last year where they win so rarely that it's, it's hard to, it's hard to ever feel comfortable starting anyone. Um, but Rodriguez was getting the saves down the stretch. He was clearly their best reliever last year. I, I, I would go as far to say probably there personally, but if you want to go a little lower than that, it's fine with me.
0: The Cardinals seems like a lot of names here too: Jordan Hicks, Giovanni Gallegos, who we liked last year and uh, Alex Reyes also in the mix. Andrew Miller still there. Chris, any, any feeling here on the Cardinals? It's probably Mm, a position. My
2: assumption is it, if Jordan Hicks is right, it'll be him. Um, he was starting to blossom in year two and, uh, you know, I, I think he probably has the stuff and mentality that they want in the ninth inning. So I, I would think it's Hicks if he proves he's okay. That's
1: my read on it too. And it, it may be a situation where he can't possibly prove he's right at yeah. the start, in which case they'd probably mix a match. I actually think Gallegos is a little better than Hicks, so I'd like to see him win it, but it's probably going to be Hicks in the long run.
0: The Diamondbacks signed Joaquin Soria. Is that a definite...
1: I think so. Um, they're calling it a competition, but...
0: All right, we'll go as far as yeah, to say I probably. I think
1: so, is the clear front runner.
0: How about Daniel Bard with the Rockies? Really good last year. Uh, he seems to be the guy. I, I haven't seen that
1: officially. Daniel Bard is the guy, but I, I think I've seen Rockies beat, beat writers phrase it basically that way. He seems to be the guy.
0: <laughs> uh, Kelly Jansen is definitely the guy for the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Padres, we... I have no clue. It seems like a position God. battle between Melanson and Drew Pomeranz.
1: Well, yeah. And I mean, I've, I've heard of you know, Emilio Pagan Pagone, color, yeah. and Keone Kella <laughs> are part of the mix. Of- yeah. Oh, that gosh. could be messy. Um, I, I, I actually suspect Melanson's going to end up getting the, 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 majority there, which stinks, but I, I'd probably be drafting him and Pomeranz about on equal terms.
0: And then the giants, I mean, LOL, we, don't even have to talk about it. Gabe Kapler likes to mix and match. They have a bunch of names they've no, talked up already. Let's talk
1: about it. Let's talk about it. I, there, I mean,
0: they're talking up Jake McGee, and he was really, yeah. really good last year. So, yeah, but he's a lefty, so.
1: And they signed him to a multi-year deal. I, I know some giant speed writer. I, I like that. I just referenced all these nameless beat writers. I'm sorry, <laughs> I, I don't know all their names, and I wouldn't remember exactly where I read it anyway. So sorry about that. But, um yeah, it 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 seemed like. uh you know, there is going to be an all, there's always going to be an amount of mixing and matching with Gabe Kapler. But if I had to pick one guy, it would be McGee. If I had to pick a second guy, it would be Matt Whistler, who had like a 107 ERA with the Twins last year and also signed a contract this offseason. Might be a lefty righty split with them.
0: But you're not willing to go as far as to say one of these guys is probably the closer, right? I
1: look in Taut Wars, I might draft one of them. You know, fifteen-team roto league like that. Draft both, late. draft
0: both of them. You know, I mean, they go pretty late. I might. So I not?
1: might. Like I, I might. They might be my uh, Matt Harvey level closer pick this year.
0: <laughs> All right, so that among Hunter those Harvey? Hunter Harvey. Oh,
1: is gosh. that what you meant? Yeah, <laughs> that, that is what I meant. <laughs> that's going to be Thank confusing. You. They're both on the Orioles.
0: That's right. Uh, that's have, true. They uh, got the
1: monopoly on pitchers named Harvey.
0: <laughs> the Dark Knight, Hunter Harvey, kind of sounds like a villain too for Batman. Well,
2: yeah. Two-Face. <laughs> it's true. Well,
1: what was his first name?
0: Harvey no, his, his first Dent. name was Harvey. Harvey Dent. Harvey
1: Dent. Yeah, uh, that's right.
0: Where's Harvey Dent? <laughs> um, all right, so <laughs> among the 15, I have five definites. I have five probably's so far. In the American League, Chapman, that is a definite. Uh, the Red Sox, Matt Barnes wants to be the closer is what I read, but they traded for Adam Adovino. I, I would say Barnes is probably the guy. Yeah,
1: yeah, another situation where Alex Cora isn't committing, but in another situation where I think it'll change a lot.
0: The, yes, the Rays had twelve different pitchers have a save last season, yeah. so that's there, just, there's, no, there's no um, answer that
1: there. <laughs> that is the one bullpen. Even even beyond Kapler and his situation with San Francisco, the Rays bullpen is the one where I'm confident. I'll never feel confident in anybody.
0: I'm confident. I'll never feel confident. <laughs> exactly. Blue Jays, Kirby Yates, that's a definite, right? hmm Okay. Uh, the Orioles. Oh, I mean, you know. Assuming health. Assuming health.
1: Yeah. Or uh, the, the Blue Jays? Yeah. Kirby Yates?
0: Yeah. Is that a definite or a probably?
1: Well, actually, when they signed them, I know it was written by some faceless beat writer. <laughs> 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 That poor, they may mix the match, guy or girl. but I'm I'm presuming Yates will pull out ahead there. Yeah, um, I do want to mention for the Rays that Nick Anderson, Peter Fairbanks, and Diego Castillo are the three guys to target. Anderson is going to go much earlier than the other two, but yeah, it's going to be a
2: mess all year. They're all good. I think that's the the biggest thing. Anderson is a guy who you know could have a 15k per nine. Um, I know he faded pretty hard down the stretch last year, but um, he's been pretty awesome in the regular season since getting to the Rays.
0: The Orioles, it, it seems like people are saying Hunter Harvey's going to be the guy, but I, I don't know for sure. Since Brandon Hyde has been there, they've kind of mixed and matched quite a bit. Mm-hmm. So we're going to go with... Uh, we have no idea with the Orioles, but it seems like Hunter he, Harvey is the leader, at least.
1: He, he's been so injured, they don't trust him to go back-to-back days. I think when if they get around to trusting him, Hunter Harvey will be the guy. But you know, who knows how many save chances they're going to get between now and then.
2: And I think it's kind of like the Marlins, where they might not have anybody who's good enough to, you know, really be the
0: closer anyway. The White Sox have Liam Hendricks, who they just signed to a boatload of money, so he's definitely the guy. Uh, the Cleveland Indians. This is one where we kind of argued about it a little bit off air yesterday. James Karinchak looks like he has the stuff. They have Emmanuel Classe, who they traded for in the Corey Kluber trade, and I've seen Nick Whitgren rumored there. So I don't even know if we could say probably for Karinchak at this point. I, I just oh, really don't come
1: know. Come on, it's it's got to be a probably. It's no.
2: It, according no. to beat writers, it's not.
1: According to beat writers, very it's a legitimate impression it. when I read beat writers' stuff. They're I saying re- look. Karen Chak is the front runner, but if you want some alternatives, because since you're asking about him, this is who it would. I was just be.
2: reading a story from yesterday. Karen Chak
1: competition. Karen Chak was the setup man last year. He was he was the reason Hand was rumored to be on the trading block because they had Karen Chak ready to go, and uh, I just I don't see why they'd stray from that. Now he was amazing seventeen point seven k per nine last year. James Curranchak had more strikeouts than Max Freed last year. Uh, like it, I, the walk rate's kind of high, but like you're not. gonna I think it's just,
2: if you never give up hits, it doesn't matter. If it wasn't for the PED suspension, though, Class A probably would have been the closer last year. Why, why do you say that? No, there's no reason they, to believe they that. Because they traded Corey Kluber for him. I think he was viewed so? as the closer in waiting when they traded for him. No, they. Had that was Kurinchak. the way everybody talked
1: about it. Oh, please. I believe I I love drafting Karinchak because of this attitude. It's like he goes so much later than relieve than closer. Like that's the guy. Like, if I'm gonna pay for a reliever, it's Karinchak because he's gonna be maybe the best reliever and you don't have to pay for him like that. And like he's so good that even if he doesn't start out of the closer by some crazy twist, he doesn't start out as the closer. He'll still be a good contributor for your team. And He'll eventually take over as the closer because he's that good.
2: Yes. Yeah. See, I just I don't know. I, I get. I like. I don't disagree. I just think almost all of that could be said about Emmanuel Classy. No, yeah. He's not a strikeout pitcher. Class no, a is he's not a strikeout a pitcher. But in terms of him being good enough that he might never lose the job, like if yeah. it's Class A going into the season, I think it's possible. even
1: healthy.
2: Yeah, he's not
0: injured. It was a he suspension. pitched in, He pitched in a spring training game today. I don't, I don't okay. think he performed very well, but... Yeah, his okay. was a suspension. Yeah. All right. He has 24 saves in the minors. Emmanuel Class A does. Um, so we'll see. I, apparently, he's saying he wants to be the closer, so it's something to pay attention to. I'll give you the benefit of the doubt here, Scott. I'll give you a probably with James Karin check. The Tigers have uh, apparently Brian Garcia versus Gregory Soto. It seems like A.J. Hinch was always a one-closer type of guy, but I, I don't know between those two, so I'm, I'm going to leave that one up in the air for now with the Tigers? The, yeah, I, I,
1: he, he's talking up Garcia, Brian Garcia.
0: Um, I, yeah, I it's, believe it's, Gregory Soto is a left-handed pitcher as well. So. Yeah,
1: and he got a chance to close briefly for the Tigers last year and didn't hold up in the role. Garcia had a terrible strikeout rate, but he was a, clo- he was a closer in college and uh, had a 166 ERA. So, yeah, it's, it's probably another situation where they'll never settle on a guy for very long.
0: The Royals, Greg Holland, definitely the guy?
1: Not definitely, but probably.
0: <laughs> All right, we'll go probably there. Um, yeah. The Twins seems like they're going to play matchups with Alex Calame yeah. and Taylor Rogers, so
1: among others.
0: That one's uh, up in the air for now. The Astros, Ryan Presley—that's a definite, right, Scott? Yes. Okay, feel good saying that. Angels, Bryce yeah. Iglesias. they traded for him. Feel good about that one. Yeah. Uh, the Oakland A's, Trevor Rosenthal—they signed him. I'm willing to say that's a definite. The Mariners, they traded for Rafael Montero. Is that a definite?
1: Pretty pretty close to definite, yeah.
0: Okay, yeah, I think so. We'll go with that. The Rangers, Jose Leclerc. We're still trying to make Jose Leclerc a thing. Can we just give Demarcus <laughs> Evans a shot? That's my guy.
1: Well, he's hurt. He's definitely he hurt. He is hurt. So he's not going to be ready at the start. But I I have a feeling it might eventually be him. It doesn't seem like they want to move Jonathan Hernandez out of like a multi-inning setup role. And um, I think they're leaving the door open for Jonathan Hernandez to start someday, even.
0: All right, so is that a probably on LeClerc for now?
1: i go less than probably. Whatever's less than probably.
0: Okay, so maybe. I won't even count that then. Maybe. Maybe he's it. Maybe Jose yeah. Leclerc is the guy for the Rangers. So among all of the closer situations in baseball, I have two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve definites Nice. Two, thought. four, six, seven probably. So nineteen that we feel pretty good about, at least to start mm-hmm. the season. And uh Of course, I went back and listened to last year's relief pitcher preview that you guys did. Chris, you mentioned about half of those 19 are probably going to lose their job anyway. So, yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the, I mean, I guess half
2: of closers usually lose their job. I guess if, you know, 12 of them don't have a job, then maybe it's only six of the other guys, but it'll probably be half. It's just, between IL stints and underperformance and the fact that they're relief pitchers in one bad week can make them look like the worst pitcher in baseball, uh, yeah, you should expect half of those guys to lose their jobs at some
1: point. I, I do, I do want to say, though, that beyond the 19, some of the situations we weren't willing to um, say, say we're as firm, I, I still feel pretty confident there's a front runner, And it's... it's uh, it's not somebody you're going to have to pay a lot for. So I, you know, I, I do end up drafting a lot of the Joaquin Soria's yeah. and who's um, uh, another example, Greg Holland.
0: Yeah, I like Holland quite a bit as well. I'm going to call an audible here. I was going to jump into ADP, but let's do sleepers, breakouts, and bust. Then we'll hit a break on the podcast side and then we'll we'll get to ADP after that. So Scott, why don't you get us started with a sleeper reliever? I assume someone first saves, Un- unless you have a sleeper SPARP. you want to go with. Yeah, I mean,
1: how deep do you want me to get? You want like perspective safe source? Or uh, yeah, look- I'll, I'll just say Amir Garrett. I'll say Amir Garrett because he hasn't done it before. And I already talked about how I think he's clearly the front runner there. I think he has the stuff to do the job. And um, I, I like how late you could get him. He's somebody who, you know, I, I'm looking to go cheap at closer. Amir Garrett, I feel comfortable drafting as my number one. Of course, there are no guarantees. He keeps the job all year, but that should go without saying.
0: Amir Garrett's ADP is 273, according to Fantasy Pros. The 37th reliever off the board, but God knows Fantasy Pros has a bunch of starting pitchers in their relief pitcher ADP. So it's probably somewhere like inside the top 25 that he's actually being drafted as an actual reliever. Let me see if
1: I can pull up the numbers real quick since we've... Okay, Okay, so 245... 245 ERA, 0.93 whip, 12.8 K per nine. He has had control issues in the past, but the strikeouts have always been there.
2: And over the um, last two seasons a 3.03 ERA and 104 strikeouts and 71 in 71 and a third innings.
0: Yeah. That's yeah. what I was looking at too. Uh, Chris was since 2019, three Oh three ERA, one, two, nine whip a little bit high because of the walks, 12.6 K per nine. Amir Garrett's a lefty. He's actually my breakout pick that I was going to have. So I- I'm with oh, you okay. here, Scott. I-, I like Amir Garrett quite a bit. Um, there are some of yeah, my uh,
2: breakout pick as well.
0: There, there are some names to pay attention to there. Um, you know, TJ Antone, if he doesn't make the, the rotation, there's a chance that he's in the mix. So we'll pay attention to it. But, uh, and if you, if you buy the closer mentality thing, Amir Garrett just has it, man. Like, I
2: mean, the guy tried to fight an entire
0: team. <laughs> by if I, I if I there's that anything that closer.
2: symbolizes <laughs> the closer mentality, I feel like it's that. And then, you know, I actually think the addition of Sean Doolittle makes it more likely that he's the closer for the reds. Right. Um, because it Cause gives them more like
1: flexibility. The, the, the other lefty blue. at the back end, yeah.
0: So, Chris, we'll stick with you. Why don't you give us a sleeper if Amir Garrett's your breakout? AJ Puck. Um,
2: it's been a little while since we've really seen him. I think he had Tommy John surgery and then shoulder surgery. Um, he actually had worked his way back from Tommy John surgery. We saw him in the majors at the end of the 2018 season, I believe. Uh, and then in 2019, he had Tommy John surgery or shoulder surgery. Am I remembering that correctly? I don't know.
0: Something uh, like that in
2: shoulder surgery. Yeah. Injuries have been an issue for AJ puck, who is a six foot seven, like 265 pound left-hander who throws in the upper nineties. Um, it, it's, it's exactly the kind of profile you think a six foot seven left-hander who throws in the upper nineties would have. It's a ton of strikeouts, walk problems uh, will be really hard to hit. I think eventually he will end up, in the rotation for the A's and potentially be a very very good pitcher, um, and he is one of my favorite late round picks. I've got him in that. You know, I'm looking for Nate Pearson and and Michael Kopech and and the very recent high end elite starting pitching prospects in that range, and AJ Puck's right there for me.
0: But Chris, you're drafting him hoping that he gets into into the rotation, or are you hoping he's just an elite reliever with awesome strikeouts?
2: I think it's possible he's that, but yeah, you won't want to use him until he's in the rotation. I think because um, you know early on he probably won't throw every you know multiple days in a row. You're probably looking at maybe two innings and then two or three days off. So um, yeah, it's mostly a speculative, deeper league. Um, you know, let's see if he can break into the rotation relatively quickly
0: yeah a sleeper for me is Greg Holland. I mentioned the name like Trevor Rosenthal. Holland was really, really good with the Royals last season, a 191 era 0.95 whip. I don't know what they did in Kansas City to to rejuvenate the careers of both of those guys, but they were really good. and after they traded Rosenthal away, Greg Holland converted five saves down the stretch for the Royals. I don't love that there's you know decent competition behind him with the Royals here, because they do have some names in, in Josh Stallmont and Scott Hey, Wade Barlow. Davis is
2: still there, baby. Wade they, could, Davis. they could bring back the whole late-inning squad.
0: <laughs> yeah, and look, if they, if they help these guys get back on track, maybe they could do it with Wade Davis, too. But I, I feel like Greg Holland, as long as he's healthy and, and pitching like he was last year, he will be the guy for the Kansas City Royals. Scott, a breakout at Relief Pitcher.
1: It's James Karinchak who I just wrote about in Breakouts 2.0, and I pretty much given my whole spiel on him. But uh, one point I want to underscore is I mentioned he had more strikeouts than Max Freed last year, and that's not just me picking on Freed. He had he, he was in the same range as a lot of pitchers. We fin- we starting pitchers that we think of as high end, um, and and that's like that's what's worth remembering with Karinchak is we're talking historic strikeout potential. You know, back before Josh Hader was the Brewers. Closer, um, we talked about how he was still worth a middle-round pick because he could give you elite ratios and for a reliever, still give you a strikeout rate that would be able to hang with a certain percentage of the the starting the starting pitchers in the league. And, and Karinczak is there too. If, if again, it doesn't work out that he's the closer at the start of the year, and I would be very surprised if it doesn't, but just making the downside case for James Karinczak um, I don't think it's going to be a waste to pick. I think he's going to be value before you either way.
0: The breakouts for both Chris and myself, we mentioned were, was Amir Garrett. Uh, Chris, we'll start with you with the uh, bust. Who do you have as a bust? Besides everybody, of course.
2: Yeah, there's no like <laughs> obvious great pick for bust. The only guys who cost anything at reliever, are generally the guys who should cost something. Um, I have one. So, that I think is pretty uh, good. F- for me, it's the first one, so Josh Hader, I think, is is technically number one in ADP. If it's not him, it's Liam Hendricks. One of those guys is going, but I think both of those guys are going in the top 60 on average. It's just not a price I'm willing to pay for, for a reliever. And, you know, in Hader's case, I'm not too worried, but there were some warning signs last season. The fastball was less effective than we've seen it be. Uh, he lost about a tick a mile of velocity. He threw it less often than he ever has. I'm not actually sure if that's a bad thing because his slider has been better than his fastball in his career. But you know it is a different uh, approach than we've typically seen from Josh Hader. And he gets hit really hard. This is a weird thing about Josh Hader, but he actually has uh, some of the worst quality of contact data in the majors, if not actually the worst. Um, and so it's the kind of thing where if he does lose you know, three or 4% on his fast, on his strikeout rate, you know, it could start to get ugly. Like he, yeah, he has a 15% barrel rate last season. He's been bottom two or bottom 1% in the league three years in a row. He just doesn't give up any contact. And so it doesn't really matter, but you know, if the strikeout rate is back in the 40% range or even a little bit lower, things could go wrong for Josh Hader. And then there's always the chance that he gets traded. Uh, he's been kind of persistently in trade rumors and, you know, if he does, if there is a bad week or two, uh, you know, Devin Williams looked like one of the best pitchers in baseball last season.
0: I will um, just say if haters traded, I feel like we kind of forget this at times when we talk about players getting traded. I think if he's traded, he's gonna be the closer for whatever team he goes to.
2: Yeah, I mean it de- it depends. Like there were the there were some like Yankees rumors uh before last season. So there is a chance that a team like the Yankees or Dodgers who are always looking to upgrade their bullpen when nobody necessarily thinks it's a priority. Um, It's always possible one of those teams makes a move for him just because they're so stacked. Um, In which case he might not be the closer, but yeah, it's it's most more likely than not. He stays a closer if he does get traded.
0: So I said I had a good bus pick and I thought I did. I'm kind of a fraud because I have him sixth in my rankings as well. The same spot as both of you guys, but (laughs) <laughs> I, I am slightly worried about Brad Hand. The the fastball velocity has dropped three straight seasons, 93.6 in miles per hour in 2018, 92.7 in 2019, 91.4 this past season when he led baseball in saves. So he was still really good. Maybe it doesn't matter that much, but his swinging strike yeah. rate also went from 13% in 2019 to 10.5% last year. And,
1: so, and little worried. since we're, you know, just not... To base the whole argument on saves, he had a 205 ERA, a 0.77 whip, 11.9 K per nine. He was really good. I get where you're coming from with hand. Yeah. But it's, yeah, I I have a hard time overlooking how good those numbers are.
0: Scott, give Uh, us your bust.
1: I really My boss is Kenley Jansen. I don't know how many times we're going to go through the... <laughs> I think you uh, had him... just barely at, <laughs> keeping it together during the regular season. He loses his job in the playoffs, but they're going to go right back to him at the start of the year. Like it's, it, it's been like three years in a row of that, right? Um, And and look, he's, he's held pretty steady the past three years. I mean, obviously not who he was in his prime, but the numbers don't look... Like bad for a closer, but it's clear they don't have as much confidence as they once did in him. And Bruce Star Bruce Star Gratterall is getting a lot of um, a lot of buzz as a closer in waiting. He's the guy who came over in the Kintomaida deal from the tw- I think it was the and He came over from the Twins. Um, may have been a three team deal.
2: Mookie Betts. yeah, I think it was yeah. tied to the Mookie bats trade. Yeah. Okay, um, and uh, you know he
1: doesn't get a lot of strikeouts, but. Like one of those ground ball specialists that just like wows everybody with the stuff and, and you know, just very heavy fastball, weak contact all over the place. Uh, He's a a closer and waiting type, Bruce Dark Gratterall, in case the Dodgers finally decide to turn the page on Kenley Jansen. And I, I don't like investing in Jansen out of that fear.
0: I'm pretty sure when I listened to last year's relief pitcher preview, you also had Kenley Jansen as a bus Scott. So I appreciate. one of these years. I, I appreciate the consistency there. If you're watching on the video side, don't go anywhere. If you're listening to the podcast, we're going to take a quick break. But when we return, we will take a look at ADP here on Fantasy Baseball Today. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family.
1: Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com
0: today. So we already spoke a lot about these closers, relief pitchers, uh, but let's just look at where they're going in terms of ADP and, and, and quickly talk about what we think their value is, whether we'll actually talk, target them here or not. There's clearly a top two, Josh Hader at 55.4, Liam Hendricks at 58.8. Both are going in the fifth round on average of 12-team leagues. And Liam Hendricks, I mean, I had him as a bust last year. It He made me look completely foolish. He has a 1.66 ERA since the start of 2019. That is sixth best among qualified relievers, and he just finishes the RP1 in both formats. So... Chris, anything you would like to add here outside of you won't be drafting them? I actually think Hendricks might be safer than Hater, which is weird to say.
2: So yeah, I guess he might be safer. I don't know. He's, you know, older. The The sample size we're talking about is still about 100 innings. Um, but yeah, no, he made me look foolish. I was definitely skeptical of him last season. And uh, I think he answered, you know, most of the questions. So I I, it, I have no questions about how good he'll be. I think he'll be uh, pretty good. Um as long as he stays healthy, which is always a a concern for every pitcher.
0: There are only three other relievers going inside the top 100 picks. That is the Roldis Chapman at 74.2, Edwin Diaz at 85.4, and Rysel Iglesias at 95.6. That is around around 7 and 8. And Scott, Rysel Iglesias has been consistently awesome. His 4.16 ERA was an outlier in 2019, his ERA has been two seven, four or better in four of the last five seasons outside of that one. So if you're just talking about relievers going inside the top 100 picks, rice, Eli is my favorite value actually.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I was pretty down on him last year. I thought he was headed a bad direction, giving up a bunch of home runs. Um, but I, I I'm okay with him. I, I don't think he has quite the ceiling of, of like a Hendricks or an Edwin Diaz or a, James Kurenchak for that matter, but he's, he's very secure in the role. And I think he's, I I think it's okay to target him where he's going. If you're somebody who is going to pay for saves, which I'm not.
0: Uh, Chapman. It was a weird year for him last year. He missed time due to COVID. He only had three saves and he only pitched 11.2 innings. So it's just, we can't put anything into the sample from last year for relievers. Um, for Chapman, he will be suspended the first two games of the season, so keep that in mind in the, the first half week. I think the season starts on a on a Thursday. Chris, you've always talked about Edwin Diaz, and he bounced back. The strikeouts were insane. I, I will never own Edwin Diaz, because while I think his upside is the number one relief pitcher, I think his downside is he's not the closer by May.
2: <laughs> yeah, uh, but that's... You, yeah, could, like, you could say to, that about a to, lot of guys. I that. Yeah, I think that's true of everyone. Like I think, I think a think, couple
0: of... I think it's more likely with him because of the walks. They've been such an issue for him in, at times.
2: Yeah, I just, I don't know. There was a really obvious explanation. It's kind of like Jose Ramirez, where there was a really obvious explanation for why things went wrong for him uh, in 2019. You know, for him, it was just he didn't have the feel for his slider. But most of the numbers looked okay. He just gave up a lot of home runs. I think you you live with walks from a guy like Edwin Diaz when things are going right, and I. I I don't have reason to think things won't go right. Um, you know, that slider is still dominant. The fact that he put those issues behind him last season, I don't think it's like, I don't think it's like a mental thing. I think the the fact that the baseball change was a pretty good excuse. Um, so I, as far as these things go, I you know, he's probably the most likely in the top five or so to, to end up on my team.
0: There are five more relievers going between picks 106 and 120 rounds, 9 and 10, and then there's a big drop in ADP after this group, but that includes James Karinchak, who we mentioned, he's going off the board at pick 106, Brad Hand at 114.6, Ryan Presley at 116, Kenley Jansen at 116.8, and I threw Trevor Rosenthal in this group because his NFBC ADP over the past week is 118.7, and that's how long he's been with the Oakland A's. He signed with them. I, I think we can assume, again, that he is definitively the closer. And speaking of uh, Rosenthal, Scott, the guy, I mean, I, like I think this was the best that we've ever seen him. And we're talking about a guy who has multiple 40-plus save seasons in his career. Last year, 1.90 ERA, 0.85 whip, 33% K-walk percentage. That was sixth best among relievers. We've never seen that side of Trevor Rosenthal.
1: Yeah, yeah we haven't. I mean, he was he was amazing last year and this is the kind of potential we always thought he had going back to his Cardinals days if he could just get the walks under control. I mean, the stuff was amazing. He had he kind of fell off the map in fantasy some struggles returning from Tommy John surgery, but I I I think he's back. I think he's going to be a dominant reliever going forward. I know that's putting a lot on the small sample, but um That's the way I feel. And um, uh, he's probably, uh, you know, I've mentioned Karinchak, I've mentioned if I wait a really long time, Will Smith, uh, Amir Garrett. But I think Trevor Rosenthal might be the reliever I'm most likely to take as my number one, just because I think the cost-benefit ratio is in his favor.
0: I like it. I believe we... Yeah, we both have him ranked 7th at, at the position in Roto League, Scott, so we're simpatico there. Chris, among this group, Karinchak, Hand, Presley, Jansen, Rosenthal. Is there any one here that you are most likely to draft?
2: I think I probably agree about Rosenthal. I think I like his price the best. Um, Karinchak, just because like, as good as the strikeout rate was in the majors last season, I think it was 17%. Or or seventeen point seven k per nine, excuse me. Yeah, the that led percentage percentage tied, was like tied with seven
0: Williams. Yep, yeah, that yeah. led all relievers. Who's, tied. tied who's getting us. his first mention.
2: <laughs> yeah, forty eight point six percent. Sorry for for James track In the minors, there were stretches where he was even higher than that. Um, you know, he is incredibly tough to pick up. He's got that weird, right over the top delivery and a, a great curveball. So, um. Yeah, the fact that even if he doesn't end up the closer, he could be a really dominant uh, option anyway does make me like him more. But, you know, it does beg the question, why not, you know, take Devin Williams?
0: Speaking of Devin Williams, he is part of the next group in ADP. Four relievers going between picks 158 and 175, rounds 14 and 15 of a 12-team league. Devin Williams at 158.2, Nick Anderson at one sixty. Point six, Alex Colome at one sixty one point six, who is now with the Twins, and Taylor Rager, uh, Taylor Rogers, who remains with the Twins. The ADP at one seventy four point eight. Devin Williams, you're right, Scott? We haven't mentioned him until the fifty six minute mark here. He's awesome. He might have the best pitch in baseball with that changeup. But yep. there's
1: rookie of the year winner. In case you tuned out for awards season,
0: yeah, and. and He's great, no doubt about it. There is a lot of volatility year over year in terms of reliever production. I just worry that if he's not giving you saves, while the ratios right. and strikeouts will be really good, it's hard to invest in a reliever this early who who isn't right. giving that, you saves. That's
1: the answer to Chris's right,
0: rhetorical yeah. question: no, Why not just
1: invest in Devin Williams because uh,
0: he didn't have
2: this in the minors like Karencak did?
1: Right, he. he there's reason to wonder if he's this good. If he's not this good, he's probably nothing for you. And, um, you know, there's a chance he could enter into saves. Hater gets hurt. Hater gets traded. But I think it's I think it's less than likely that Williams is any kind of save source for you this year.
0: Chris, what would you predict? <laughs> this is fun. Predicting saves. What would you predict the save percentage breakdown is between Columet and Taylor Rogers? If you just had to throw a number out there, is it like 60 40 in favor of Colomay?
2: Yeah, probably. I mean, Colomay, I, I think Rogers is the better pitcher. Um, but, you know, the fact that he's a lefty and the fact that he's coming off a down year could make him, uh, you know, a little worse in their eyes. So, yeah, I would think Colomay is like 60 40. Um, he just, I don't know. How long can he keep doing this? Just like strikes nobody out, but he keeps putting up really
0: good ERAs. Um I keep saying it too. I, I He's been my bus pick every yeah. year. He's kind of like my Kenley Jansen for Scott, but <laughs> since 2016, Columet has a 262 ERA and a 1.11 whip with 138 saves. That's the third most during that span since 2016. So we keep waiting for Columet to fall off. He's been really damn good. So, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this will be the year, but he's familiar with the American League Central. He just pitched there with the White Sox. Um, he's not going to get all the saves. I know Taylor Rodgers is going to be in the mix, and potentially others as well, but uh, I, I would I would say he's the odds-on favorite to lead the Twins in Saves this year. That is Alex Calame. Only two more relief pitchers going inside the top 200 picks. That includes Craig Kimberl at pick 183.2 and Rafael Montero at 191.8. Scott, do you like either of these gentlemen at this cost?
1: I mean, yeah, the the cost for Craig Kimbrell seems crazy low, um, and I understand why. I, but clearly, the Cub, Cubs have regained confidence in him. For all these struggled the past two years, it's not like he's lost stuff. Like he still throws, he still averages ninety seven on his fastball. And his final eight appearances last year—I know we're making small samples even smaller—but his final eight appearances last year. 13 strikeouts, three base runners allowed in seven and a third innings. So he's like, that was, it it looked like he got back on track. It looked like he got back on track and considering how cheap he is here, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I haven't drafted him yet because I never see him go this late, but ADP is what it is. So, um, yeah,
2: I, I think it's a good value. I think in his case, it was basically like three bad outings to start the season.
0: He um, he allowed runs in each of his first four appearances. I saw Chris. Yeah, I think it was after that. Then yeah, yeah, um, yeah. His final yeah. I
2: mean, you could you could go back further
1: than his last eight appearances, and the numbers are still amazing: twenty six strikeouts in twelve and two thirds yeah. innings for his final fourteen appearances.
0: Yeah, his, his final fourteen appearances, Kimbrel one four two ERA, eighteen point five K per nine. He averaged ninety seven miles per hour on his fastball, which is exactly where it was back in twenty eighteen when he was a dominant reliever. So uh
1: do you wanna kinda are we about done with ADP at this point? Because I think there are some closer in waiting types we're talking about. Or or maybe if you're in like a holds league, you'll wanna know about these guys.
0: Yeah, so I was gonna do um, this okay, go I was gonna talk about the the Marmol strategy and some some relief okay. relievers that sure. um but if there's any other just save sources, Scott, that you like that we haven't mentioned yet. Feel free to throw them out there.
1: I, I mean, we went through every bullpen, so yeah. I don't think I don't think we've passed over anybody who is a favorite for saves.
0: Okay, yeah. So let's let's talk about it then with the with the Marmol strategy, which is one that has is m- most often used in a head to head categories league, probably only in a head to head categories league. And for those who need a reminder, it is in that format head-to-head categories where you have either no weekly innings minimum or a low one. You use your first 10 or so picks on hitters. You don't draft a single starting pitcher unless your league requires you to do so. If you must draft a starting pitcher, target ones late that have innings concerns but good ratios. From rounds 11 on, focus on remaining closers and high-end setup relievers with strong ratios. You punt wins and strikeouts, but your offense is theoretically good enough and you should win ERA whip and saves most weeks. And I mentioned in our head to head category mock draft recap that we did, Scott, that I use a pseudo Marmol strategy, which which I called the two by four, which two aces, two top 12 closers, two low end closers, two high end setup relievers. And then I just load up my bench with a bunch of upside starting pitchers. I feel like that allows me to be competitive across the board. But now is the opportunity to whatever relievers you want to mention, Scott, that these high-end arms, maybe they don't have a job right now, really high strikeout numbers, they can help you in ERA and WHIP. Who are some of those names that you're looking at? All
1: right. I just want to point out I don't believe in the Marmol strategy. <laughs> Before I get into that, I think it was developed during a time when there was greater differentiation among the hitter ranks. So you could guarantee yourself more victories in the hitting categories than you can now. And, and, and that kind of that ruins the whole thing uh, now that you can't do that. So anyway, um, perspective closers. I mentioned Tanner Rainey for Washington. It's really a trio that stands out above everybody else. Rainey, also Jordan Romano for the Blue Jays, if, if uh, Kirby Yates isn't quite right. And uh, you mentioned him earlier, Josh Stallmont from, for, the, uh, for the Royals, who had an incredible strikeout rate last year. Some control issues, but looks like a closer of the future type. Uh, some other names um, who would fit the bill there. Chris Martin of the Braves. If they don't go Will Smith, like Chris Martin would be the leading right hand candidate. He was their eighth inning guy basically last year. Uh, so he's somebody to consider. Aaron Bummer looked like he was in line for saves for the White Sox before they signed Liam Hendricks. And, you know, Liam Hendricks could get hurt or something. You never know. I mentioned Bruce Dark Gratterall already for the Blue Jays. Um, Jonathan Hernandez, who I mentioned earlier, if they don't go Jose Leclerc, I, I imagine Jonathan Hernandez would be the leading contender for the Rangers. Um, Yumi Garcia, we mentioned him for the Marlins. Uh, I don't think you can totally forget about Stefan Crichton. I don't think he's very good, but who knows what to expect from Joaquim Soria back as a full-time closer. He's been an okay Setup guy the past few years, but I, I don't think there are real assurances there for him. And I think most of these other guys I've covered already. Is there any? Is there any? Uh, are there any setup guys I'm missing as far as you guys are concerned?
0: I will just mention Zach Britton just because Chapman has dealt with a good amount of injuries the past three, four years. He, he's kind of always dealing with a knee injury. So Britton, um, he gives you really cool. good ERA and he's performed well in that role before Uh, Tyler Duffy with the twins that we mentioned earlier. Freddie Peralta was really, really good with the Brewers last year. Trevor May, who's now with the Mets, I think can give you some good ratios. Jake Diekman. I don't think he's going to be in the mix for any.
1: That's the one I was saying, Ooh, about, I forgot him.
0: Yeah. I don't think he's going to be in the mix for saves anymore with Oakland, but he was awesome last year and could give you a lot of strikeouts. You never know.
1: You never know. I mean, maybe we're wrong about Trevor Rosenthal. Maybe Trevor Rosenthal gets hurt. I think Diekman would be you you like when there's a clear guy who would step in and fill the void. And I think Diekman is that for the athletics. Unless he's bad.
0: Mike Myers bad. with the uh with the Angels good. was yeah. really good last year. Scott, w- was there anyone else on, on the Angels you wanted to mention?
1: On the Angels? No, I don't think so. I think <laughs>
0: You don't know where I'm going with this.
1: <laughs> oh, Ty <laughs> Buttry.
0: <laughs> Ty <Buttery. laughs> No, I think I think that, that ship that ship has sailed. <laughs> I think the Thai Buttrey ship has sailed. I, I will just bring this up. And oh, we, Adam
1: Ottavino, Sorry. Adam Ottavino for the Red Sox. Yeah. Good. Was, if, uh, if Matt Barnes doesn't work out.
0: He was uh, he was traded to the, the Red Sox there. So, yeah, that's a good call there. Originally, we got an email from Joshua Kirk a while back who asked us for help with the, with the Marmol strategy, specifically with those R-passps that I mentioned. So, relief pitchers as starting pitchers. Where if you play in a Headset Categories League and you need starting pitcher eligible players, these are just relievers that have that eligibility. And I found some names on CBS that included Matt Whistler, who's with the Giants, Seth Lugo with the Mets, Brent Suter, who's actually really good with the Milwaukee Brewers, Josh Tomlin with the Cleveland Indians. Cleveland, Atlanta Braves? Is he with the Braves now? I I think he's still with the Braves. Yeah, I think, yeah, Josh Tomlin's with the Braves. He's not with the Indians. I'm thinking way back. Uh, Alex Young is with the Diamondbacks, and John Curtis is with the Miami Marlins. If you play on Yahoo, these are relief pitchers that have starting pitcher eligibility. Drew Pomeranz, Diego Castillo, Chad Green, Seth Lugo, Brent Suter, Freddie Peralta, Lucas Sims, Jose LeClerc, TJ Antone. Chris, you're still here. You want to take us home on relief pitcher? Is there anything else that you'd like to add? We didn't really talk about saves plus hold leagues, but I I would say just draft the best relievers if you play in one of those. Yeah, generally speaking,
2: the thing to keep in mind is uh, the holds leaders don't tend to get as many holds as the saves leaders every year. You're usually looking at guys in the high 20s, low 30s in the saves leaders, whereas you're usually looking in the high 30s, low 40s for the close closers or saves leaders, excuse me. Um, So I, I think the effect of save and holds leagues and I'm about to draft one tomorrow with my Tout Wars team I think the effect is uh and everybody who's drafting and tout worse, stop listening. Uh it just kind of flattens the relief pitcher position. I think that's the biggest uh takeaway there is
1: it removes the most interesting part of it. Like Yeah, the, like guys for like, saves is the only thing keeping relief pitcher interesting, I feel like.
2: But at if that anything, point it makes the holds guys a little more valuable just because they're also potential closers, but For the most part, like it's not like you can get both. You can't double up. It's not like you could get, you know, I mean, you could, but you're not going to get 28 holds and 30 saves. It's not that kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. it's one or the other. It's not really saves plus holds for most pitchers. Um, So yeah, I think it just, you kind of just draft the best relievers.
0: I will say, just in general, I'm not a fan of saves plus holds. It seems like a cop out for people that don't want to scour the waiver wire for saves, but. With that, I will just wrap everything up with this. It is the truest, that is the truest way to, find, to to just draft relievers for skill. Because at that point, you're not worried about saves, you're just drafting the highest skilled relievers with the most strikeouts and the best ERA whip, you know. So. And, and even slight
1: boost for closers since saves are accumulated faster than sure. holds.
0: But and sure. half of those guys are going
2: to bust anyway. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Because they're relievers. That, that seems yeah. like a good place to uh to end our position previews. We've finally done it. We've made it all the way through. For Scott and Chris, Woo. I am Frank. Thank you all for listening and watching Fantasy Baseball today. We'll be back again tomorrow. Bye-bye. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. you ready, Bob. Well, all right. Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. It's the feel-good movie of the year. You dig? What's Bob Marley, One Love. Rated PG-13. Now streaming on Paramount+. Plus.